0: what is good let's have some fun it's the fundamism podcast with your host paul J. long and all things fun we'll let the fun begin Woo! What is good, ladies and gentlemen? It is me, Paul J. Long, welcoming you to the Fundamism Podcast. As always, the podcast where we task individuals to bring more joy, fun, and fulfillment in their life, and we do so by introducing fun guests—guests guests that are bringing not only fun in their own personal life but into the life of others—and so. I'm excited to introduce today's guest because he's an individual that's been super impactful in my life. But before we do that, I would be remiss if we didn't shout out our amazing sponsor, Charlie Hustle, doing big things in the Kansas City community. You don't have to reside in Kansas City to benefit from their amazing threads. Go to charliehustle.com if you want to learn more. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. If you want to look as awesome as this guy... Uh, Really, I'm a humble individual. I'm just joking. But I do uh, have a Charlie Hustle shirt on, repping KC. Dig it. Hey, without further ado, I'd like to introduce my guest today, Adam Carroll. What's good, buddy? Hey, Paul.
1: All sorts of good things today. The fact that you brought... Uh, 10 of your associates in here to set Mm -hmm. up the studio. It's kind of amazing.
0: Dave, Stan, uh, Gretchen. What's up, Gretchen? It's good to see you, sister. You're doing great. How do we all fit in that Nissan of (laughs) mine? It's amazing. It's like a clown car. That's exactly right. Well, so it's Adam Carroll with two R's, two L's, and eight O's, right? That's right. Adam Carroll. So, Adam, I like to start uh, every single podcast. We like to start every podcast with one question. What do you do for fun, buddy? I like to play games. Uh, we we like to play
1: games in our family. So there's a lot of uh, you know ball games, board games, dice games, card games. We just we play a lot. Mm. Uh, matter of fact, just this morning, my son got up at six thirty and said, "Can we go to the Y and shoot hoops?" So we we played around the world. We played pig.
0: It was a good day. That's awesome. And it you're was. walking around like you like you're still spry. Hey man you You got it like that, I see you watch what you eat. you're a fit individual. I mean, you work out every day right
1: I am a twenty six year old forty three year old hey, i That's can I, feel it, like I have it.
0: the knees of an eighty five year old man though <laughs> <laughs> so uh extremely family oriented you're one of the most fun people that I've ever met like Thanks, I have brother. been looking forward to this interview for Moss, we've been talking about getting this yep. on the calendar. You, of course, have your own podcast. What's that podcast called? It is called the Build a Bigger Life Podcast. And it, it kind of goes hand in hand. It's a, it's a perfect complement to fundamism, and I think that's why we get along so well. Because you really you thrive in an environment that's bringing joy to others, and yep. I think as a result of that, it brings joy to you. Am I, am I way off? Totally. Or? No, that's it. I, I love impact. I think
1: whatever I do, I need to be feeling that there is an impact in that, and so the whole Build a Bigger Life podcast and the Build a Bigger Life movement is about enjoying the life that we have to live. Like I believe we are all life architects; we get to decide what our life is like. And I feel uh, somewhat—I don't—not I, sorry—that's not the word I am looking for—but I feel like those that aren't living that way, it is my job to light a fire under them to say listen, what, why are you doing
0: this? Why sure. are you living in a way that that doesn't light you up? It should, right? Well, and I think that's, again, one, one of the common threads that you and I have between one another. There's a lot of folks out there that hear what you're saying right now, and they're like, yes, that's what I want. Like, I want to be as upbeat and optimistic as, as Adam Carroll, and yeah. I want to feel more in control of my life. So what do you say, and how do you help those that don't know what that looks like? Well, I, you know,
1: the, f- the, the premise of Build a Bigger Life started in my work in financial literacy, financial education, because the whole idea was build a bigger life, not a bigger lifestyle. Mm. I know a lot of people that build a massive lifestyle, but then their life is very, very small because they have to work constantly and they're constantly under stress about money and paying bills. And my, my whole deal was, well, what if you could build a really big life doing everything you've wanted to do, just make sure the lifestyle doesn't get out of control? Sure. And so it started in money, and then I started realizing that the people who build a bigger life are the ones who are living according to their values. Uh, they're people who who tend to make money irrelevant. Mm. Like, it's not a primary focus for them. It's just, it's a function. It, it happens. So I teach people how to do that. Um, but by and large, the, the number one thing that I tell people to do is when you were a kid or even five years, 10 years ago, and you thought about what life should be like, why are you not living that way? Mm. What changed or what needs to change in order for you to get there? And I look back at, uh, you know, I've got a bookshelf full of journals that I've done through the years. And as I go back, almost everything that I've written about has happened because I look at it and go, well, this is what I want and I'm going to go after and get it. And that's, that's how I crazy. want to live my life.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. So, I mean, obviously, that's something very tactical that people can in, they could do right now. They can incorporate For sure. it now. And I think that what they say the difference between goals and dreams are like writing them down and making them happen. Writing course. them down, making a plan, sticking to it. I think the other thing,
1: Paul, is the level of belief that you have in whatever that goal or dream mm-hmm. is. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in the law of attraction. And that, you know, we what we think about, we bring about. Yes. Um, I think it was Earl Nightingale, The Strangest Secret, right? That you become what you think about most of the time. Yeah. And my dad always said, if that were true, by the time I was 15, I'd have been an 18-year-old girl. <laughs> but... Uh, but Think about that one. I am, actually. Yeah. I'm really confused. I'd like to go down multiple rabbit holes. Yes. And so, um, I, I believe in the law of attraction. I think that what we think about, we bring about. But I think it is the power of belief in what we want that will really get you there. Yes. So, if someone says, you know, I'll give you a good example. I had this brainchild several years ago that I want to spend an extended period of time in Italy with my family. And I wanted to rent a villa on the Amalfi Coast and live like an Italian for a month, as an example. And it, people were like, oh, that's crazy. How will you get away for a month? And can your wife get out of her job for a month? And won't the kids have activities and all that stuff? But deep down, I had this belief that it will happen. There is no question we're going to go do this. And so we just about two weeks ago booked our trip over. We're staying in Sorrento, Italy. We'll be there almost the entire month of June. What? What? And um, and it happened because my belief level was so high that I started mapping out, well, how would I do it? Because it's going to happen. I just need to figure out how it's going to happen. So we paid $120 for airline tickets over there because of miles. Um, we'll convert miles, you know, points back over to miles on the way back. We're staying in a beautiful Airbnb uh, for a good solid two to three weeks. And then my daughter wants to see Paris, so we'll go up there. But it is going to be this marathon trip where it's family and it's fun and it's just like
0: we're throwing caution and care to the wind and going and doing this thing. amazing and admirable. You know, there's a lot of folks that wouldn't be able to do that. And, uh, you know, I'm a huge believer in energy. We talk about this a lot. Yeah. And, you know, both positive and negative. What I find interesting is there's often times where you're having a bad day and, you expect, as time progresses and the day gets crappier and crappier, that more bad things are going to happen to right. you right, and so I had a gentleman recently approach me um, in the news recently i 'm a huge Kansas City chiefs fan if, if you didn 't know or couldn 't tell and we had uh, a hiccup recently well we didn 't have a hiccup there was a, There was a gentleman on our team by the name of Cream Hunt that that um, he got into a domestic violence situation, yeah, yep. obviously didn't carry himself the right way, he made terrible decisions, and not just one time. I mean, this is a, a repetitive behavior, and it, clearly he needs help. But the Chiefs are having a bang-up season, and you know, everybody's excited. We haven't experienced this in a long time, and there's hope for the first time in sure, a long sure. time. And so this gentleman calls me on Friday after the news comes out uh, a couple Fridays ago that Kareem Hunt was let go from the team. And uh, he says, did you hear the news? And I go, are you talking about Kareem Hunt? He says, yeah. It's already been a shit week. I mean, what's one more thing, right? It just validates it all. And I said, dude, like, this, this guy beating a woman has nothing to do with you. Like, <laughs> right. this has nothing to do with your life or the things that have happened to you this week. Right. All you're doing is validating your mindset. No doubt. And so the reason why I bring up that story is because I find you uh, a fascinating specimen of an individual that typically sees things as um, something that could potentially happen if you make mm-hmm. it happen. Mm-hmm. And it's easy for us to look at things and say, oh. It's been a shit week, so shit things are going to happen. Yeah, but you've always been an individual since the moment that I met you. That saw something and said we could make something out of that. Yeah, is that something innate in you, or is that something that you've that you've learned over time? It's a good question, Paul.
1: I think. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> You ask really good questions. Thanks. I should start out. You're a great conversationalist. Do you Uh, know that? Has
0: anyone ever told you that before? They've said a conversationist.
1: A conversationist. They've said a conservationist. You're a great conservationist, too. Conver... Uh, Keep going. Sorry. (laughs) Just just earlier today you were asking me if I had recycled toilet paper, I think. That's exactly you? right. Yeah. yeah. And I said it no, I'm works not sure great, it's but it thing. smells
0: like crap. <laughs> it's, it's weird. <laughs> um, so the question, what was the question? The then? question is uh your mindset, like your ability to make something out of things, your your willingness to constantly just be feeding off of positive energy. Is that innate or is that something that's come to you over time?
1: Well, when I was a kid, my dad pulled this nasty trick on us that if if we were to complain about something he would then say I need to know three great things about that same thing. Yes. So he would flip the script on us right away. And what over time I realized he was doing was was helping us exercise the ability to see the positive as well as the negative right away. Right. Because we tend as a society to immediately jump to the negative. And unfortunately that's we're we're in a you know in a time period now where like great division and it's sort of this side against that side yep. and even in the the positives there can be negatives you know something great can happen and automatically it's negative right and so uh, i just i I find that you could either let that you know seed your mind with negativity or you can turn around and see what the positives are so that that was one. I think my dad did that to me. Number 2 is I went through 3 weeks of training with Jack Canfield mm. um who is the author of Chicken Soup co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul and he shout wrote the success Jack. principles. Yeah, shout to Jack. And one of the things that Jack said and it's one of the, the I think it's the very first success principle is you are 100% responsible for your life. And so when I hear people you know bitching and moaning about other people, I'm like Okay, but what about you? What are you doing? Yes, that is how they are. But a good friend of mine who's a PhD in psychology told me one time that behavior is multifaceted, multicausal, and multidimensional. That have, sounds super smart and way above. Doesn't me. it? Yeah. I know, I, I memorized it just so I could <laughs> sound smart to say it. But when he said it, I'm like, yeah, we have no idea why people act the way they do. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you could have just been in a terrible um, scooter accident. That's exactly right. Right. I actually sent you a photo. Yeah, you did. Yes, it, it was a great shot too. Thanks. Um, <laughs> yes, and that could that could uh, make you act differently because you just had this interaction, or maybe it was a negative interaction with your wife or your son came in and you know punched you square in the face this morning. Right. Oh Doyle rules. Yeah. Oh Doyle rules. Yes. Yeah. So I think that we have to, um, number one, take a step back and go, but what did, what did my internal dialogue just say about that thing that happened? And then how do I turn this and make it funny? Um, I think the third, can I give a third answer? Dude, this is your show. So is it really? I mean, today. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, you're for the <laughs> next, gifting me fundamentals. For, for the
0: next 22
1: minutes. Love it. So the other thing is, I sold books door-to-door During the summer in college. Was it the summer of 69? It was not. No, I'm not that old. Um, Yeah, I was not around at that summer. It was the summer of 93. Okay. 92, 93. And um, 92 and 93. Okay. So the first summer, I was in Rancho Cucamonga, California. You would have a ton of fun there. Why? Because you'd probably go around being like, (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was thinking immediately Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. yeah. Like, I was immediately thinking yeah, Michael Hedrick. That's exactly right.
1: Cucamonga, yeah. So, I was in Rancho Cucamonga my first summer. The second summer, I was in Cadillac, Michigan. Hmm. Now, no disrespect the to state. the folks in Cadillac, Michigan. But in a, in the part that where I was, the term toothbrush was very literal.
0: Oh, Do you know what I'm well, saying? Because they
1: only have one tooth. Yes. Two Yes.
0: Okay. And so... Uh, that's sad. During- I hope, just so you guys know, this is this is a guest on the Fundamism podcast. Like, I respect Cadillac, Michigan. Like, I don't have that experience, so it's a great place. I, not, just, I mean, yeah, I was. In- I mean, what about Earl though? What about Earl that's listening to this right now and feels disrespected because you're talking about his toothpaste? It's true. Well, Earl bought books from me, so okay. I respect Earl. It. <laughs> so maybe he's
1: maybe he's fixed it. He could be. He could have fixed it. That's right. So when I did this, they. The the folks who hired us to do this, which is called Southwestern Publishing, gave us all a book. And the book was called The Greatest Salesman in the World by Ogmandino. You've read it. Yes. Yes. And do you remember what Scroll Five was? No. No, I don't remember what I did five minutes ago. Okay. What are we doing now? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Are you on drugs? (laughs) Hold on, give me some. (laughs) Um, So, the thing that happened, they gave us this book the greatest salesman in the world, and one of the scrolls in the greatest salesman in the world says, today I will laugh at the world. And that one phrase for me carried me through the whole summer. We are the only species that can laugh at itself. And if we're not laughing at ourselves and our experience, then we're probably crying in our pillow. Mm, You know what I mean? Yes. So that whole idea of today I will laugh at the world, I find also all manner of things funny. That probably other people are like, "Why are you laughing at that?" I just find it humorous. Yes, you know, like when if someone is flipping me off on the road. I know you. You said a swear word a little ago, a little bit ago. Yeah. Is is that okay on this? Yeah, PG thirteen. Okay. So I was in Michigan again, uh, not Cadillac. I was in Detroit. This but were you time. in a Cadillac? I was not in a Cadillac. I okay. was in a GM. Okay. But I pulled up to a stoplight. I as I am want to do, I turned and looked to my left. And the woman to my left looks over at me like I had just insulted her child. Because you looked at because her. Because I looked at her. And she goes, What the f are you looking at? And I I started laughing because I was like, I literally just turned my head to, <laughs> <Literally, you> look. <laughs> to look at you. What? And so that that actually carried me forward for quite some time because you know, that stuff doesn't happen all the time. Yes. Um, Can I tell you another one? All of them. Yes. So you're a traveler. Uh, Yes. What is your feeling about TSA and how, you know, just in general? Uh,
0: It seems generally, generally speaking, that the bulk of them are uh, somewhat unhappy, and I'll try to riff with them or whatnot. Typically, they don't have it. Some super happy, some aren't. But I did have a really awesome experience recently. Yes. Can I tell one? Please,
1: you tell one and then I'll tell mine.
0: So um the lady behind, she's doing, she's checking the, the 3D and the, all that stuff. Yep. On the, she's the X-ray, right? So she's checking the bags and gentlemen that's doing the X-ray machine, right? When you walk through, uh, they're kind of riffing back and forth. And I hear the guy say something to the extent of, okay, G. She's like, I got G. And he's like, Yeah, you got G. And so what they were doing was they were they were going through the alphabet, and they would have to work in a word seamlessly uh, into a conversation with each other or with their you know the folks that they were serving or whatever it may be casually into conversation. And I thought, yes, that's amazing. Like TSA's get a bad rep. Like these guys, they. They got it better than most, no right? Because we're not doing that. Yeah. Or some aren't. So, but what's yours? They made a game of it. Though. They made they, a they game. Had, they, had fun, they threw yeah. them dice, like you said earlier.
1: So I flew through Philadelphia not too long ago, and if you have you ever been to Philadelphia? Philadelphia? Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's known as what the city of love, brotherly love, yeah. right? Yeah. There was not a lot of brotherly love in the Philly airport at five thirty in the morning. Do you, always, do you just want to say what are you so mad at? Yeah, a little bit. I want I to say that bit. all the time, and but then people are like, "Why are you so happy?" You know, so yeah. so it's you know I I take it both perspective. Ways. But I when I you walked do. in, when I walked in, <laughs> the more you know, <laughs> <laughs> Star Flash. <laughs> so when I walked into the Philly airport, I thought, you know what, today's gonna be fun. Like I'm gonna make today fun no matter what. So whatever happens is all good because I'm in I'm in the city of brotherly love. There was not a lot of brotherly love that morning. So I get to the TSA uh, agent and he's a particularly, uh, kind of stiff, you know, automaton kind of guy. Like he's very intent on his job. And I was wearing a pair of pants that has a zipper in the back pocket. I knew it was going to trigger the alarm. And I walked through and, um, and he says to me, sir, you have an anomaly in your buttocks area. (laughs) Thank you for noticing. So my comment immediately, first, a huge smile comes across my face because I'm like, this guy has no idea who he's messing with today. And I said, do you think it's serious? A couple of people nearby are laughing. He's not. He's serious. He's like, I'm going to have to wand you, sir. And I said, yeah, knock yourself out. Go for it. And uh, you know, I assume the position. And he says, well, do you want it done here or in private? And I had this moment of pause. And I was like, kind of waiting for effect. Yes. And I said, "What kind of wand is it?" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, again, all of his coworkers laughing. He's not. He's very serious. <laughs> we so we had. A, I had a good laugh with the other people. This guy, well, he wasn't. He wouldn't play along. No. And I find that people who aren't ready to play along, they're probably pretty mad about other stuff. Yeah. And and I give them they're a mad lie. Mad. What's that? They're mad at their dad. They're mad at their dad. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't get the cabbage
0: patch doll for Christmas that Mm. year or whatever it is. Right. Or they're not getting enough brotherly love. That could be it too. Well, it's interesting because, you know, the story that you told about your father, I mean, I could think, I think it relates to this story as well. And, you know, one of the things that I want to try to do a better job of on these podcasts, I want them to be entertaining. You mentioned laughter earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I told you this offline, but somebody came up to me at the gym the other day and they said, you know what I love about your podcast? And I was like, what? I love it when you laugh. Like, It's not every day that you just get to hear people laugh like that and it's so contagious. And so I appreciate that when you not only laugh at yourself, but you create an environment for others to laugh, which is exactly what you did for that TSA, Totally. even though he wasn't feeling it. He was not feeling it. But his peers were. Yes, and so you know, never judge a book and all that jazz. You never know what impact you played on these these coworkers of his. Right. That he could have been going through the struggle. But I think back to the story that you told with your father, and um, you know, specifically when you looked at the darker side of things, and he said, "What are the three positive things out of that?" Uh, I've said this before on a previous podcast, but I like to ask my daughter regularly. She's five years old, like, what's the best thing that's happened to you today? Yeah. And I, I would think about that TSA as he's, as he's going through it. He, you know, obviously, he's very serious about this business. Oh, very serious. And so you wrap up, and clearly, he wasn't feeling your vibe. But like, so you play along with him, and finally, you say, hey, thank you for your service. You say, hey, what's the best thing that's happened to you today? And just see what his response is. He's either going to buy in or he's not. Yeah. But I find that interesting dialogue happens after that question. For my five-year-old daughter, typically it takes some thought. Every now and again, she'll say, I don't know. You know, some days she'll say, like, look in here with you, Dad. And, of course, that brings a tear to my eye. And sometimes now she's going through kindergarten, so she's super excited every day. It's like Christmas. So she's like, oh, well, me and May, we did this art project, and it was super awesome, and we have a skate party on Monday, and I already got my stamp for it. And she's she's over the top, excited, right? And so I find this unique dynamic that can take place when you force people through your line of questioning, which you do masterfully, to think about something better than where they currently are. Yeah. yeah. And your, your line of, I want to say line of questioning, but it's more a mindset of curiosity, is that something that you're deliberately doing? Are you cognizant of what you're doing, or is that just... Are you just a generally curious person? Well, I, I think there's a level of curiosity
1: that I have innately. Um, I've always been kind of a curious guy, but but I think there is... You wrote about it in your book, and we had talked about it, I think, in the, in the planning process about being curious, not furious. Yes. And I find that people jump to being furious so often that if they just paused and were a little bit curious ahead of time you wouldn't have that reaction. And the challenge is that like being furious takes you down this negative downward spiral whereas being curious takes you on this upward spiral mm. where you can all sorts of cool things can happen when you're curious but a whole bunch of negative shit can happen when you're furious.
0: That's exactly right.
1: And so I would just as soon create upward spirals as downward spirals. Um so I think I'm I'm more I'm more attuned to to asking questions and probing because I think that whole idea that that what most people think is so just isn't so. Sure. It's just their perspective, their perspective or their perception of what is so.
0: Well, uh, so first of all, just to backtrack a little bit, shout out to you who just shouted out the book. Uh, but in turn, really shouted himself out because <laughs> in that chapter of the book, I actually give Adam Carroll, a gentleman that I look up to, as stated in the book. Did you give me credit? Of course, I did. I love you, did man. you Thank read you. the book twelve twice, uh-huh. twelve uh, times? Yeah, you almost said toilet. So, that, was it on the toilet when you? <laughs> it's bathroom reading right it is, now. It's a very quick read. It so, is. if you're uh, reading a verse, like yeah. sit I, down twice, you'll sit get down it twice. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, But most importantly, it provides very tactical things for you to do at the end. Uh, It's like a workbook at the end. And the reason why I bring that up is because... If you're tuning in, I said this earlier. One of the things that I'm challenging myself to do on this podcast is I want folks to walk away with something that they could do that's going to yeah. that's going to change perspective or bring more totally. joy, whatever it may be. And you mentioned one of them, you know, asking somebody what's the best thing that's happened to you today or what's three things uh that are positive about this thing that yep. you're looking at negatively. Yep. So that's one thing that you could all do right now with a coworker, with your family member, whatever it may be. You know that I uh, I told a story before on a podcast, I believe. I never remember uh, whether this was a conversation I had with you or whether it was a conversation I had in front of a group or on a podcast, whatever it may be. But I remember uh, being in a highly stressful call center environment. And, mm. Um, you know the water cooler talk where people will come up to you. Did you hear what Adam's doing? I can't believe it. <laughs> and so people would come up to me and they would ask me questions about other people, and I, I don't like to engage in that stuff. I yeah. mean, I'm victim uh, from time to time. Sure. Fall victim from time to time. But nevertheless, when people would come up to me and they'd they'd say that, you know, did you hear about Adam? I'd be like, hey, speaking of Adam, what's the best thing that's happened to you today? (laughs) And they would be so confused. What the hell does that have to do with Adam? And I'd be like, it doesn't have anything to do with Adam. (laughs) I don't care about that. I want to know what's good with you. And so, my point is, that's something that you could all easily do and would bring more joy to your life. But thinking about your curiosity. Yep. And... Asking questions, what can you give somebody that would like to take more of a curious approach to folks in their work and personal life?
1: So the, the cha- I would issue a challenge Ooh. and the challenge that I would issue is this when when someone is talking about the, wh- whatever's going on with them, what is the natural inclination? Go negative go negative. Or if they're saying, oh, this problem and this problem, oh, this problem, what Make it you about do? yourself. You'd make it about yourself and you'd solve it. Basically, uh, you're saying I'm wrong to every, every
0: answer. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry.
1: That's, uh, uh, just tell
0: me what you want me I'm to say. To
1: <laughs> telepath what I'm trying to telepath where I'm going with this. We tend to be solvers, right? We want That's to fix true. everybody's problem. Yep. And people don't want their problems fixed. That's true. They, they don't want vent. They, they want to vent. And and they want to solve their own problems. And so, I think that whole idea, the challenge that I'm going to issue is this. The idea that when someone says something to you, if you ask them enough questions, they'll come up with their own answer. And they'll thank you profusely because you helped them come up with a solution. Whereas if you're like, well, I don't know why you don't just do this. They're going to be like, what, what does Paul know about my situation? Right. Right? Yeah. And so, you know, with my kids, as an example, they'll come home and... My son's got a couple of kids at school that are his his you know arch nemesis because they're they're really talented magneto basketball yeah. they're magnetos is it magneto or magneto I think it's magneto
0: I appreciate you holding me accountable yeah but I said magneto first you just repeated me which that's is true. the inclination because you don't want to make me look bad that's true but your your son has several arch nemesis he does is it's it nemesis or nemesis um, I think it's nemeses. <laughs> it's, okay, fair enough. It's like testes. Okay, it's te- yeah. One, two.
1: <laughs> so his his nemeses, and there's only one or two of them, but they're really good at basketball. So they jaw him and they, you know, they're, they trash talk each other a little bit. And he gets really upset by that because humility is something we really hammer on at home. And he he's he's kind of, it triggers him because they're not humble. And I'm like... Well, why do, you, why do you think that is, buddy? And so he'll talk through things and, oh, well, he got on me about going to the wife for only 30 minutes when his sessions are two and a half hours. And I said, well, why do you think that is? Why do you think he said that? And he's like, well, I don't know. I said, I'll oh, just think about it for a minute. Why do you think he would say something like that? Well, he's trying to one-up me. And I said, well, why do you think he's trying to one-up you? Well, I don't know. Maybe he, he's just trying to be better than me. I go, well, if he's trying to be better than you, what might he be afraid of? that he's not better than me, and I was like, well, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah, he came up with it. I didn't come up with that sure It's like no, a I, matrix. I led him there a little bit, sure, but what I want him to know is don't take some what somebody says at face value take take some stock in why they might be saying it. you know what is the what is the thought process behind whatever the statement is? typically, it's like I'm going to chime in on this conversation because I need to feel important. Yes, right? absolutely. If we know that about people, let them do that. Let them feel important, and then move on. But don't
0: get don't get upset about it. I think so. That same scenario, that example, can uh, relate to so many different things. I think the most valuable leadership attribute that anybody can have is the ability to ask questions and allow others to self-discover. And it's the thing that we spend the the least amount of time on in development, right? right? right, Yep. And so if you think about leadership, oftentimes in organizations, whether it's a small to mid-sized business or a Fortune 5 company— we often don't take the time to develop people the right way. And we right. say, well, Adam, like if you want to sell more widgets, bro, here's what you got to do. And, right. and, and you tell them, right? Yep. But the great leaders, what they do is they embody what you just uh, provided an example for with your son. Yeah. They ask questions and they allow folks to self-discover because... Nobody likes their ideas better or more than themselves. Than themselves, yes, right? Totally. And so, if you have the ability, or if you're, uh, if you're conscious enough to lead people down a path, like you did with your son, uh, to land on a decision that you want them to land on anyway and you could do it in a manner that allows them to feel like they did it themselves, then you're going to be more powerful as a father, as a mother, as a, as a, as a employee, as a boss, whatever it may be in all things that you do. And so I love that challenge. So the challenge today, uh, amongst many ever things. So other, other, other things, my buddy, but we, are you English? (laughs) I meant to say, this is my brother from another, Um, but the challenge, uh, Outside of just you know asking that question, what's the best thing that's happened to you today, or or uh, how do you how do you see this negative thing in three positive lights, right? Yeah, yeah. How do you respond with more questions? So somebody comes to you and they present you with something. Uh, force yourself. I say we put a number on it. What's like, what's a good? Sound? I think they ought to ask at least four questions. At least four questions. Um, comment in the YouTube comments below. Uh, or hit me up on Facebook, uh, Twitter, with any comments of your questions that you asked or the experience that you had. I'd love to hear what's going on and how people responded to you. Noice. Most importantly, I'd love to hear your success. Noise? Did you noice. say noise? I said noise. N O I C E. So who the hell are you? Like we're now thirty <laughs> minutes in. Nobody knows mm. what you do. Nobody knows how we connected. And yeah. so just a a brief story. You know, I admire you a great deal, and I you know. You're very humble, but obviously every time I talk to you, I feed your ego. You do. Um, Thank you. And I'm not the only one. I mean, you have that personality where you come into a room and everybody's like, yes, I need more of that in my life. And as a result, I, I find that if I was in your shoes, I'd constantly be... Trying to balance that, like how do you how do you say no more? Yeah, and so I'm one of those individuals that latched on like a leech, and you gave me your number, and I was like, oh yeah, it's going down in the DMs, <laughs> and so I just reached out profusely, and uh, we were both at some busy times in our life, but our our paths ultimately end up connecting. You invited me to a a workshop, yeah, this the speaker launch pad. And basically, you provided a workshop to a small group of individuals and outlined all the things that you have done in your speaking career that have helped led to some of your success. Right. And it went from not only facilitation skills, but how do you pack lightly and how do you get through TSA in a timely manner. People love that.
1: They love those tips about how
0: do I pack my bag and
1: what's my rig look like and all that. I was blown away. I didn't think there was that big a desire
0: to know that information. Well, you know personality styles. I mean, I think that the individuals that are super organized and connect with details, they're like, that's the stuff I want. For me, I was like, I don't care about that. I'll go with nothing at all. Just the clothes (laughs) on my back, this stick and this little bandana. I'll buy a bow tie when I get there. (laughs) That's exactly right. Thank you. Um, But the stuff that really connected with me is like, how do I take all these ideas in my head? Yeah. Because I think I have content for days. Totally. And how do I how do I put it in a form that people will benefit from? Right. How, how do I take all of these things and help others bring more joy, fun, and fulfillment in their life? And I went through this workshop and I was rejuvenated. I was excited. I was like, "Yes, I got it. I got the roadmap." And then and then I fell flat on my face. Yeah. I didn't do anything with it. And I was so frustrated that I felt like I had all these things to do but I didn't know what to do first. And I felt as though I didn't have a support mechanism. Hmm. And ultimately it just it led me to a more frustrated place in my life. But things happen as and when they should, right? And so fast forward, how long ago was that?
1: Oh my gosh, 5
0: years? I don't think it was quite that long. I think it may have been four, Okay, probably four years. I just don't know if it was before my second stint at farmer's insurance or not. But nevertheless, what ended up happening is all of a sudden it clicked. Yeah, because because now I I figured it out, right? Self discovery, right? Like it wasn't the workshop, it wasn't you telling me what to do, and you asked a ton of great questions like yeah. you always do. But I wasn't ready to receive that stuff. I
1: think you finally figured out what your message was, though. That's exactly right. Like you knew it was around this topic because yes. everyone's like, "You're the fun guy, you're the cat suit guy, you're yes. crazy." Everyone wants to be in your energy, but it wasn't until you formulated what the message was That's that exactly this became right.
0: solid. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've talked about this before. I think sometimes I've battled in my life and my career, like fun doesn't always have the most positive connotation, especially in work. Right. And so, one of the things that I've struggled with in in getting speaking gigs is people will hear my concept and they'll be like, I don't know. I don't know if that'll work in our place. That's exactly right. Well, that's we don't
1: don't like fun in our work environment. Ultimately, performance is going to suffer because
0: if they're having fun, then they're not going to work as hard, right? So I mean, Paul nerf guns at work, please, yeah, please come on, get over it. <laughs> but, but you helped me identify that. And and the reason why I say you helped me identify it is because once I feel like I landed on my message, you're the first person I called and you picked up the phone and we worked through it. And I, I don't, I honestly don't think that there's a number of things that have gotten me to my career today, but I don't think that I would be sitting here today if it wasn't for you. I know that for 100% Thank fact, because I'm sitting in your you're house. In my house. Yeah. Um, But you are a highly influential gentleman, and you do it the right way. So, I say all that to preface um, this question. What do you do? What do (laughs) I do?
1: I. uh, So, what I like to do is I inspire... I, I went through this thing not too long ago, and it was all about, like, why do you exist? And my answer was, I exist to inspire freedom through curiosity, love, and joy. And so, the way I do that is I I speak about financial education. That's kind of my, I have two loves. I love financial literacy, financial education, particularly to the people who don't have it or who haven't had it. And then I also love culture. I love, I'm a, I'm a student as you are. I'm a student of human behavior. Mm-hmm. And I love going into an organization and figuring out why are things not functioning the way they should, because there's all these great people here. They just, they're not communicating well, or they're not, they don't understand that this person makes decisions differently than this person. And we just need to clear that up. Right. Um, so I love both of those. Um, I am an author, I am a speaker, I'm a consultant, I'm a coach. Um, the way that I tell other people what I do, it's like, I'm an entrepreneur. I do a, a little bit of a lot. That's true. Um, but I do that because I love variety in my life. And and I'm a creator, so I've I've uh, got I've written three books. I've got a documentary on uh, the student loan debt epidemic called Broke, Busted, and Disgusted that was sold to CNBC. Bragger. Uh, sorry, I thought you wanted me to list them all. Oh no, I do actually. Oh, okay. I want to okay. hear them all. <laughs> um, I, I've done two TEDx events. So uh, I, One of which... One of which... Has got 3 million views. 3 plus, yeah. It's crazy. 3
0: million views. And is featured on the TEDx website, yeah, right? Ted.com website. Oh, te- my apologies. Not TEDx. Do Come you on. know what I've had 3 million of in my life? Zero, nothing. Well, I, was, I thought you were gonna say Oreo
1: cookies or something like that. Uh,
0: not even, cl- I mean, I eat a lot Crispy of Krispy Kreme donuts. First of all, never say Oreo without prefacing it with double stuff. Double stuff Oreo. Who eats Oreos? Animals? <laughs> Seriously, I mean, what am I? Double stuff or go home. Yes. Um, so, but three million, like, I was so proud of you. Thanks, and, dude. but like, just just a step back, like I feel like it was just six months ago when it was one million. And so it just blew up. It rocketed. So it tell us about the premise of that video because it's super cool. Cause you said earlier that you love games. Games, yep. And I do want to say, you know, you're a financial expert. Um in that space, you are an expert of financial planning, helping folks that don't necessarily have a lot of guidance in that yeah. realm, getting in a better position. And um I want to do another podcast with you that's geared more towards finance because I think that's one of the biggest stressors of anybody in life is is money. No doubt. Um, But this is just kind of to break the ice, who you are, what you do, all that fun stuff. We could talk for days as I'm sure you're aware, but you love games and you like to make things fun. And so the purpose of your TEDx talk was, or TED talk was what? It was playing a game of Monopoly
1: with my kids with real cash. And, and you have to understand the, the reason behind it was we were playing one Saturday morning and my kids, you know, they're, they're prone to play like these marathon games of Monopoly that last hours and hours over days and days of play. And I'm, I'm sitting there one day, you know, playing with them and I was listening to their banter and I was watching them make decisions, getting a feel for how they were making decisions, but they were doing things like buying each other out of jail, and it, been there before. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to mom. I remember 2004. <laughs>
0: it, was, it was Paul's dark period. That was, Dude, I went to jail before. Did you? Yeah. What for? I got into a bar scuffle. Oh, yeah. I was actually the only sober individual. Um, and it was one of my best buds at the time. Yeah. And he had been drinking a little bit, mm. was getting pummeled by a bouncer uh, that was half of his size. And I went over to get the. I mean, this gentleman was 6'6, 270 pounds, the guy, my friend, college wow. athlete. Yeah. So I went and I pulled the bouncer off of him. Well, the bouncer wasn't getting off of him. And so I had to, you know, had to throw a couple blows, you had to right? Help. Yeah. Do you see how great of a fighter I am? <laughs> yeah. In fairness, that's my left. Like, I don't a, do anything yeah. lefty. Did you
1: keep your wrist flexible like I that? I did. Too? I was like, <laughs>
0: and and so ultimately, uh, the guy got up and we went a couple of rounds. And I next thing I know, I I got tackled from behind by a police officer and I ended up going to jail and no, pre- no, no charges were pressed. This was in college. I mean, I was a was the hooligan. But uh, you were in the slammer. I was in the slammer. Nice. That's where I learned to rap. Yeah. And you think I'm joking, but I'm serious. Like it was a pretty cool experience. Was it? I mean, perspective, right? Yeah. I and mean, you never know. Until was the you- toilet out in the open? Uh, I don't, re- it was like it was just the local city. J- I don't remember, it was so long ago. Yeah, you didn't stack chairs around it or anything to go. No, uh, okay. I did. I was like, Hey, tell me about your problems, bro. I'm like, Let's, start Let's hash this out. Nice. So, anyway, to make a short story long, uh, I'm completely unrelated to your story. I'm sitting here, uh, just bogarting your, your mic time. Yeah, oh, you want me to continue? Yeah, sorry okay. about that. <laughs> May I? But I mean, I was in jail. Does that not, I mean. They they were like, hey, how do you check these guns at the? Yeah, and I said, I can't, I don't. Right, they're just with me. You should them.
1: do a TED talk about that. I should. Yeah. Well, speaking of TED Talk. my six hours in jail
0: by Paul buying Long. people out of jail is what your kids do. And so they monopoly. were buying
1: people out of jail and buying each other out of jail, and I said, that's that's not a thing. You can't do that. <laughs> and they were like, oh, it's fine, it's fine. We just want her on the board with us. And I said, no, I get that, but and I appreciated the socialistic nature at which they were playing. Right. But I'm like, this is why our games take three days, and so I started thinking about, well, I wonder if they're playing this way because the money isn't real. And so I went to my credit union on Friday afternoon, and I pulled out ten thousand. Actually, I pulled out nine thousand nine hundred ninety dollars in cash from my home equity line of credit. In all the denominations. Added that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I have people online on the TED Talk. Yeah. Must be nice. They're saying things like, "Oh, this is how the one percent lives." Yeah. Yeah, Paul, look around. Yeah, one percenter. Yeah, I get it here. Yeah. yeah, I get it. So anyway, I pulled money out. I went home and we played a high stakes game of of Monopoly with cash, and it totally changed the way my kids played. And so the the result of that was a an allowance program that we installed in our house and a process through which our kids get money on a weekly basis, but then everything they buy is on them. So we will do food. And clothing and that kind of stuff, but if they want snacks, if they want to go get ice cream, they want to, they want donuts on Sunday. Uh, they want to go to a game with their friends or go, uh, you know, go to the bounce park or whatever. They're paying for that. Mm. And um, if they get invited to a birthday party, they pay for fifty percent of that gift for their friend. Oh, that's cool. And so what we realized was that, and and you know this as well as anybody, when you were a kid. You would gladly spend your parents' money. All the time. But I you still do. Hold on to you. I still do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll spend yours if you let. Yeah. Speaking of wishes, well, yeah. it's not lunchtime, actually. <laughs> we should go spend my money. Yeah. Um, but my kids are very reluctant to spend their own money. I can see that. And, and what, ha- what has happened in society is we began to conflate love and struggle. Mm. So, like, we say, oh, I love my kids, therefore I don't want them to struggle. And in reality, if you love your kids, then you should want them to struggle. They need to know limits. They need to know boundaries around money and game, video game time and those kinds of things. Yes. Because if there are no boundaries set, they think the sky's the limit that's on great. everything. And that's how we get, this is where the broke, busted, and disgusted documentary came out. This is where we get college students who have 60, 80, $100,000 in student loans and another ten grand to boot in credit card debt because they never knew there were boundaries.
0: <laughs> they, never, they never had them. Yeah. I was one of those guys. Mm-hmm. um and that's something that you're that you're going to talk with me about later this We're afternoon, gonna, right yeah, over lunch. so I'm in a much much better space now, obviously, but it took a lot of hard learned lessons that I had to learn on my own and didn't have a father figure that, yeah. that taught them to me so well, with respect to everybody's time um it's been forty five of the fastest minutes ever. I no could doubt. sit here and talk to you forever, but the one of the things that I really wanted to leave folks with is you're an individual like we use that app Voxer. Yes. It's like a it's like a walkie-talkie app. And every now and again I'll just get this random voicemail or vox where we're singing like you're singing me a song or you'll I'll call you and we'll just automatically go into this improv riff which yeah. is just amazingly fun. It is fun, isn't it? So what types of things? How do you how do you bring more fo- fun to other? Like, what can folks do that would just be fun and and create that environment for others and themselves? Yeah,
1: um, you know the thing about you in particular is a you're so receptive to it, right? So, and I've got a bunch of friends who are like that. Um, a good friend of mine. Shout out to Mark Charter of Charter House Real Estate here in Des Moines. Love you, Mark. Can't wait to meet brother. Yeah. you, brother. he'd be a good interview for you. Um, Mark It'd be a good interview for you. Mark. <laughs> Mark sent me. <laughs> he sent me a, a video one day, and it was him singing to a Billy Joel song in his car. And he's like, "All right, karaoke tag, you're it," and I had to finish the song that he was singing. Awesome. And I'm like, that was so cool just to, to get that and to throw it back and forth. I think the 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 way, the suggestion I have to bring more fun into people's lives is do something completely out of the ordinary on a regular basis. And so in my house, um, the other night, in fact, my daughter and I were just hanging out and I put on, uh, we have a Sonos wireless speaker in our kitchen and I, I turned on, um, the Queen channel because we had gone and seen, I don't even know what that is. Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, Queen, the okay. band gotcha. So it's songs that are in that genre, right? But we've we did kitchen karaoke. I was like, Piper, come join me for kitchen karaoke. We sang in the kitchen to all the songs that were on that channel for about 25 or 30 minutes. That's awesome. And at the end of the night, she's like, Dad, yeah, that was so much fun doing kitchen karaoke, right? We need to do that more often. I was like, Totally, yes, my boys. My son's now at a, at a school where he has to leave fairly early, but when both of them were home early, we would have Tuesday and Thursday dance parties in the morning. We did that same thing, notes Dance Party yeah, Fridays. Yeah. yeah. Only my 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 playlist was like Kesha and Fifty Cent and Oh You, you know, went Hard. It was into club kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. In hindsight, I probably shouldn't have gone as hard to the club, but you know, whatever. Boys are going to rage.
0: Providing a well-rounded perspective of culture. That's right. That's right. You, so you're a man of intent. And that's what I appreciate about oh, you. Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> so, what I got from that is be willing to sing some karaoke songs. Go have a dance party. Uh say something that's completely off the cuff and out of the norm where somebody's going to look at you and say, "Who the hell Did are you?" Did you, you just say Did that? Did you to me? just say that? Yeah, I told you right before we started that
1: like ladies spend lots of time on their fingernails. And I've seen some that have these like down to a sharpened point. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think well, you must either be a guitar player, uh, or, you know, into like scratching people or something. I was gonna go somewhere <laughs> that was a really else. Struggle. I was a gonna go somewhere struggle. else. But I would say to them things like, guy that would make it hard to pick your nose, wouldn't it? Yeah, and, it would be. And they they're startled, uh, but then they laugh. Right. And I'm like, oh, I'm just joking. I will give strangers high fives because why not? Yes. You know? And some people are like, what was that all about? Who cares? Sure. Was the interaction with you memorable? Yep. If it was, and it brought a smile to someone's face? Yes.
0: Game on. So as I'm hearing you talk, uh, I have a couple of avid listeners that are related to me. Yeah. And, uh, Dylan, Jay, uh, I love you guys. What up, Dylan? Uh, my, my, my cousin Jay, he's yeah. sitting here listening to this right now, and he's like, I would never do that. Do it. Yeah. Do it. There's many of you guys or gals right now listening to this podcast say, that's outside of my comfort. I'm not that guy. I'm not that gal. Do something different. That's the whole point. You'd be amazed at the amount of growth and fun you could have if you just get outside of the ordinary and do something different. Can I make one statement? Yeah. I
1: read a uh, survey or a statistic the other day. It said that the average 40-year-old man has 0.7 friends 0.7, Point 0.7, that does not even live in the same state. Point 0.7 friends that don't even live in the same state. Meaning that most 40-year-olds in America today, men especially, um, most of them are alone. They don't have connection. Mm-hmm. They don't have someone they can That's true. confide in. They don't have someone they can you know, connect with, ultimately. right. And I feel very fortunate. I have a lot of really... You know, great friends that I can connect with and talk to. You being Wait, one of them. There's more than me. Well, there's a couple. Okay, but you're at the top. <laughs> but only one. You're at the top, honey. Um, and I think that what this does, this high-fiving people and and you know and commenting, it creates connection. Yes. And that's all. That's ultimately that is what we are supposed to be doing: is connecting with one another as human beings. Agreed. And so if we can do it, like high fives if you're a germaphobe and you can't do it, knuckle bash. Yeah. Give them a Howie Mandel, you know what I mean? Yeah, a little
0: foot five, right, right. with the shoe on. Totally, elbow bash, whatever, it doesn't yeah. matter. But, uh, Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco style. So be a giver of joy. Be a giver of joy. Uh, create experiences for others. Yeah. Uh, ask folks what the best thing that's happened to them today, or or give me some positive things uh, that you're looking this at this negative experience as. Um, Do things out of the ordinary. And if you do all of these things, uh, I speak for Adam when I say, uh, in combination with me, that we promise you, you will have more fun, joy, and fulfillment in life. So, uh, Adam, again, you've, you've played a huge role in my life. As we close this out, if somebody wants to learn more about you and potentially be impacted as I have, where do they go? It's very simple. If you want more info on Adam... Go to
1: adamcarroll.info. Oh, adamcarroll.info. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Adamcarroll.info. All of my. Properties and sites and you know audios and videos, all of it's there. Awesome. Adamcarol.info.
0: You'll also find him on the TED.com homepage. Yes, you can. Uh, and just for clarity, it's Adam Carroll with two R's and two L's, but only one O. One O. There's L. not only eight, but hey, as always, we thank you for tuning in. Fundamism bringing more fun, joy, and fulfillment in your life through the fundamentals of a fun and optimistic lifestyle. Thank you very much. Challenge yourself to do something different today. Go bring more fun. To not only your life, but to the life of others. And happy holidays. Paul, that was fun. You're fun.